When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Well, good evening and welcome to WCW Retro. My name is Howard Morgan. I am the interim host as I'm filling in for Stro Maestro. Um, we have an update for him in just a few minutes. But on tonight's show, we'll be discussing the should-haves and shouldn't-has as it relates to winning a world title. And joining me tonight, as he did last week, is the agent extraordinaire to the stars, Chaz Moretti. Chaz, how are you doing, my brother? I'm doing very well, Howard. Thank you again for allowing me to co-host and to uh, to fill in for our dear friend Stro, um, who out of the blue happened to call me up on what was it on Tuesday night, and it was so good to hear from him. He's doing much better. Uh, he's in the rehabilitation center, connected to the hospital that he had his surgery in, and it was uh, it turned out to be an infection between his neck and his shoulder that uh, if if left further untreated, would have killed him. So, I mean, he was telling me about the whole ordeal with being in a coma and the surgery and uh, learning how to walk again, and he had walked 80 feet that day, which, you know, 80 feet after that kind of surgery and coming out of a coma, God, that, that's like eight miles to somebody else, you know. And, uh, again, it was really, really good to hear from Rob again and, and to uh, – to know that you know he's on the on the road to recovery, it's going to be a, a bit of a road. It's going to be a while, but uh, you know, as I assured him, you and I would uh, would keep the ship steady and keep things going here on WCW Retro. So once again, I'm very pleased and very honored to be co-host of the show. Yeah, I, I am honored as well, and you know, I'm thankful that you know that the update was could have killed him rather than talking about him posthumously, you know, and remembering him. Now we're looking forward to him coming back. So that is good news. Because I, I primarily sit in an office most of the day, and walking 80 feet for me could be a challenge sometimes. I can't imagine oh, him absolutely. walking 80 feet after everything he's been through. But um, he did text me um, actually just yesterday or maybe this morning. I was in a class most of today and yesterday, so I, I did see I had a missed call from him, but I, unfortunately I couldn't take the call. But, you know, he told me, you know, he misses everybody and he's rehabbing to get better, um, you know, and he's looking to get back, you know, just as soon as he's able to. 
So just to get a text yeah. message from them to know, you know that everything is okay is is tremendous news, and you know I, I couldn't be happier for them. And you know to all the fans and and friends of the program out there, uh, anybody that knows me knows I'm not a big proponent of GoFundMe, but this is one instance where uh, a GoFundMe is is very well deserved and very and very uh, much needed. So uh, if you can find it in your heart to Go to Stroh's GoFundMe and, and support him while he's going to be facing a a myriad and a, and a mountain of, of medical bills uh, after all this. It would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, and I wish I had the information in front of me, and I apologize. I do not. Um, but it is all over his um, Facebook page. It's all over his Instagram page. Um, any form of social media that he is on has those platforms that you can donate and, you know, and, I, I would hate to speak for Stroh, but I, I don't think he's asking for one single person to pay for, you know, an entire doctor bill, as he was even saying on his oh, show, no. even, if it's enough to a, even if it's enough to get a cup of coffee or, or something to help him through this, a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever, you know, you think you can afford, um, you know, would be greatly appreciated. Um, and I know he would appreciate oh, it. Definitely. You know, and, and typical um, Stroh, here's a guy that's gone through hell and back, and what's he saying? Oh, brother, I apologize for not being on the podcast. Really, dude? <laughs> well, like I, I, I told I, I him, well, like I told him flat out, we're happy to have you. We're happy that you're absolutely. still with us. Yeah, and, you know, I want him to have this spot back just as soon as he's able to. Um, I've got a greater appreciation for what he does week in week, and with all of his other commitments that he has. Um, and I know you mentioned um, he actually apologized to you on about missing a show that was upcoming as in bad a shape as he was, like, you know, obviously we, we understand, but for him to take that extra step to apologize and yeah, show mean, you the, the kind of character you know, and integrity that he Well, yeah, WAW and WAW North America, they're presenting um, a night to remember in Chicago in, at the Tilly Park Convention Center on July 28th. Stroh was scheduled to appear on that show, and obviously, you know, he's not going to make it given given his current situation. And the true professional he was is, bro, Please let everybody know that I apologize for missing my booking. And, and again, you guys sit there and you're going to go, really, dude? Just get better. <laughs> right, yeah. Will be you everything else will work out. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, we, we, we here, that's, that's, a, that's a good lesson. That's a good lesson to all the kids in the business. You know, the older guys and and the and the professionals and the vets, they take our business very seriously. They don't just blow off bookings, and if, God forbid, they happen to miss a booking, you know, through circumstances beyond their control, they make sure that they apologize, and they make sure that they, they try to promise to make good on it when they're 100%. And that's a good lesson for all the all the younger workers to, to understand. You know, you blow off a booking, you may not get a second one, and then don't complain right. when that happens. Right, you know, and, and I, I listen to a lot of guys that were in the business, you know, Jim Cornette, Bill Watts, and just a myriad of other guys that are in the business, and they they would they would sum it up, you know, and you're only as good as your last booking. So if you miss your last booking, like you said, you you probably you may never work in this business ever again because it's that important, you know, because oh. somebody took time in to promote you to whether it's getting yeah, posters mean, out or you're out there and then you no show. Well, I mean, here nothing's guaranteed in life. Life can turn on you in a dime. Look what happened to Cheryl. I mean, one minute Absolutely, the guy's yeah. doing good, the next minute he's in a coma. So, I mean, right. you know, I life can turn on you. 
in, yeah, in, in an instant, really. Yeah, I mean, you don't I know. talking about that show in July and how excited he was to get there. And I mean, the three of us have talked on the podcast about how excited he, you know, was to, to get there and, and be in front of the crowd and, and to do his thing. So it's not like he wasn't looking forward to it. You know, he was definitely looking forward to seeing everybody in Chicago for sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And then, like I said, you know, right now the focus is just for, is just for him to get better and to, to get himself back up to 100% and to, um, you know, continue doing what Stroh does best. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, the man has so many commitments out there, and, you know, he, he just needs to focus on getting better. And, you know, we need to continue to pray for him. And, you know, like I said, if you can, you know, donate anything, you know, towards, you know, his, his medical expenses or his GoFundMe or whatever it is, Again, no amount is too small. Dare I say, you know, say that, um, you know, no, not you know, at all, not at all. And you know, you, know, you, 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 you kind of look people go the wrong way. Yeah, and in our in our modern age, we tend to look rather, and I do it. We tend to look rather skeptically at GoFundMe's and 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 the like because of uh, people that aren't always above board when they're doing things well, like this. But in, in this instance, it's not the case, obviously. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, and, and he's not the kind of guy to do that. You know, he's definitely above board. He's on the up and up, and, you know, he's he's just trying to get better. I know he's literally fighting every day, um, you know, to get better. I remember, you know, nothing compared to, to what Stroh went through, but I, I tore my patella tendon playing basketball about seven or eight years ago because I thought I was a lot younger than my body really was. And literally, I went up for rebound, and I came down, and I, I tweaked my knee, and yeah. I couldn't walk for about four weeks, and that was tough. Yeah. And I was nowhere near what Stroh was going through, but, you know, I was laid up. And I can imagine a guy like that that's always on the go that now is literally forced to sit still, and he's got to be chomping at the bit to to get out there. And I know he's pushing himself probably beyond his limits, you know, to, to get better. And Stroh, if, you know, if you're listening or, you know, and take it one day at a time, brother – Take your time, do what the doctors tell you, you know. And because listen, as guys, we don't like to do what the doctor tells us. We're going to do whatever we want to do. But Strom, I'm begging you to listen to the doctors and do exactly what they're telling you to do. Yeah, and if all else fails and the doctor doesn't tell you what to do properly, Strom, just chair shot him. Get him in a back of the chair; he'll be fine. There you go, getting right back into the business again. <laughs> exactly. But doctor turns exactly around, gonna... chair shot him. Be done with yeah, it. Give him a, he'll be he'll be fine. He'll he'll get he'll he'll understand. <laughs> yep. All right. So but, we're happy to that Stroh's on the mend. We're happy to give everybody an update on Papa Stroh. And uh we got an interesting premise for tonight, Howard, so let's get into it. And the yeah, premise yeah, is Yeah, the the should haves and the shouldn't haves of world champions. And I just want to give the listeners out there a little bit of the background kind of the how old school the business was kind of where I was, you know, when I was growing up and a little bit of knowledge that I know, you know, from what I understand, and I'll start with the NWA because it seems to be, you know, to me that was my, you know, I, I cut my teeth on, you know, the NWA, Mid-Atlantic, you know, Georgia Championship Wrestling and, and, and down that way. Even being from New Jersey, I, I leaned more towards that style of wrestling than, you know, what the WWF at the time was putting out. But, Back then, it, it really was a group of men kind of in a room, kind of in secret, deciding who, 
you know, would win I the title. I have no idea what you're talking about, Howard. Wrestling championships have always been won and lost in the ring by those who were able and capable enough to win them. So I, I don't know about all these backroom dealings that you're talking about or or uh, or contrived uh, um, premises. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the titles are won and lost in the ring. And right. and, and, and I would never begrudge a guy because there are going to be some guys on the shouldn't have list that are maybe a little controversial in, in opinion. But, you know, this is my opinion and your opinion and those out there that are listening – um, but I believe there, are, you know, there are a lot of, you know, top-notch guys that really could have, you know, made a a, a great, you know, world champion. Um, and obviously, you know, I'll start with, you know, last week's, you know, um, dark side of the ring with, you know, the one and only Magnum TA. Um, you know, again because of an accident that he had, you know, was well on his way to being world champion at the time. Um, and just you know, because of the action, just never got a a chance to to wear the gold. Um, and I think how different the the wrestling landscape would have been had he been able to continue his career past you know you know what is October or so of 1986. Um, you know, and probably what a great long long term champion he would have been. You know, as hot as he was, as popular as he was, and you know, it it was really a you know. A, a sad time and, you know, somebody that was really kind of snuffed out way well before even his prime, I dare say. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, if you listen to what Magnum himself had to say on Dark Side about, uh, about the fact that, you know, he did, he got his opportunity was squandered uh, in terms of contesting and winning the world championship, he had nobody to blame but himself. And he said he was a right. victim of his own he was a victim of his of his own lifestyle. You know, he got caught up in in the uh, you know in the eighties, the uh, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle, and you know his pension for fast cars and fast driving and less than shall I say less than ideal conditions. I mean, it was a, a perfect storm for him to to uh, to take the kind of fall that he took. And he, you know, he's if you listen to Magnum, he's very. Um, He's very poignant about it. He doesn't mince any words about it. He doesn't blame anybody other than himself for why that right, opportunity no, I... was squandered. And, you know, he, he's not the only one. Let's take a look at guys, again, like Magnum. And thank God Magnum's still with us. All right? his, he said his C5 exploded, and he really shouldn't have been alive. But let's, let's talk about guys who were the victims of their own of their own lifestyle. They were their own worst enemies, and they should have been world champions, or they should have been gone a lot farther than they did. And I'll start with Gino Hernandez. There was a guy that had it all. I mean, he was yeah, a natural in the ring. He could command a yeah, crowd. He was a uh, he was a heel to the manner born. I mean, he the amount of heat that that kid could generate down in Texas, whether it was at Southwest Championship for Joe Blanchard, or whether it was um, whether it was at WCCW for Fritz von Erich. I mean, the amount of heat that Gino used to generate was just tremendous. Had he gone to, had he gone out to other places in the NWA, like St. Louis or Charlotte or, or uh, Atlanta, I mean, there's no telling what he would have done. But, again, here was a guy It was a victim of his own lifestyle. He was his own yeah, worst absolutely. enemy. Not only cost him his, his future, not only cost him a, a chance at being world champion, it cost him his life. 
Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And I, I, in, in, because I got introduced to Gino Hernandez during the, the world class championship wrestling days with Devon Eriks. And I don't think at that time that I hated anybody more than I hated Gino Hernandez at the time because he made me believe that he was as callous and as backstabbing and and as evil as a guest. Well, not only that, but he could back it up in the ring. Right. I mean, he fought wars in the ring with the Von Erichs. Yeah, him and Chris Adams as a tag team should have been world tag team champions. More so than just world class tag team champions. Absolutely. You know, and you know, I don't care guy that, that I think if you watch uh, you know, twenty five, you know, Gino Hernandez matches against any one of the Von Erics, they were twenty five different matches. It was a different match every time you saw them together. Even though they they might have been the same opponents, but they were different matches, they were contested differently. Oh, yeah. The guy could wrestle, the guy could fight, the guy could the guy could do everything. I mean, go back in here. Go back and take a look at, at Gino's matches in uh, at Joe Blanchard's promotion out in out in West Texas. Go take a look at his stuff when he worked in Houston for Paul Bosch. I mean, they were all just masterpieces that he put on. Absolutely, absolutely. They were just they were just you know fantastic matches. Um, you know, and, and yeah, there's yeah, a guy yeah. that should have been world champ, guaranteed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another that and, comes and, to mind. Mm-hmm. Another one that comes to mind is the uh, was the last of the Nature Boys. Well, actually, a second to last of the Nature Boys. I can't uh, I can't dismiss my buddy Paul Lee down in Ringgold mm-hmm. uh, as being the last of the Nature Boys. But Buddy Landell was another guy that just ruined Absolutely. himself. Should have been a hell of a lot more than what he was. I mean, you know, he did challenge Blair. A couple of times, and he and he wound up on the short end of the stick against Rick, and uh, you know proved that Rick was probably. Uh, and, and I know when I when I do pass on to the next life, and I get to the hereafter, and I go to that Madison Square Garden, this guy Bobby Davis and and uh, and his client are going to yell at me about this, but you know Flair proved it right then and there that he was the greatest of the Nature Boys. You know after defeating both Buddy Rogers and Buddy Landell. I mean, there's nobody that can lay claim to that Nature Boy persona as as well as Ric Flair. But Buddy, I mean, you look at Buddy. Buddy had everything in the ring going for him too. You know, Buddy. Buddy was his own worst enemy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and and I did. I I started watching Buddy Landell in the old Mid South with you know with Bill Watts and just a, a tremendous performer. The matches he had with Terry Taylor and. Just everybody, mm-hmm. you know, he, he were were fantastic matches. You know, again, yeah, oh, could yeah. have been a world champion somewhere, but again, you because know, of little, his... yeah, and a little known overlooked fact: when Buddy finally got to Crockett in the Carolinas, who was his manager? J.J. Dillon, before the Horsemen were formed. Yes, yes, you know, and you know, I, I just think it was a great, a great time. Um, I, I do see the caller was stacking up. Hang tight with us, guys. We'll get to you in just a few minutes. Um, yeah, we're yeah, not I done talking yet. You guys can all stay on hold. <laughs> yeah, I said it. I'm sure I know um, who this cast of characters is. I'm probably, we're probably waiting on Rat Boy and Mr. Hollywood and everybody else. Well, too bad. I called in first. You guys get to wait. <laughs> right. You know, and, and speaking of being a, a victim of his of his own devices, I'll say, 
you know, I think another one that, that had it, you know, was Scott Hall. I think Scott Hall could have been, you know, as, as Razor Ramon or Scott Hall or even Big Scott Hall in the AWA, I think could have been, you know, a, a tremendous champion, you know, for, you know, for a little bit of time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if he, if he would have been properly motivated, Scott Hall could accomplish anything he wanted to accomplish. But, you know, all right, I'm getting, Howard, I'm getting, I'm getting nasty uh, messages via Facebook Messenger from these people that I just insult that we better start letting them in. <laughs> all right, let me, uh, let me let one in here. Hey, how are you? All right. What's going on? Nothing much, just trying to stay cold. It's hot down here. Hot? Then how hot is it? I think it was in the 90s. Oh, that's, oh, that's not I love summer weather. The hotter, the better. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You want cold weather, come up to Chicago. It's 91 day and 40 the next. You don't like the weather, right. Right now. it'll change. Right. Yeah. If you don't like the weather, Chicago, wait five minutes. <laughs> you were here, Howard. You know how it's like. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've been times, and like I said, I've I've gone there and I've looked at the forecast, and it's like eighty eighty degrees during the day. Like when my flight lands, I'm like, oh great. But then I leave my hotel room, and it's literally like twenty eight degrees, and I don't got no I got like no jacket on, no long sleeve shirt. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna freeze to death before I get back to the airport. <laughs> yep, welcome to the shy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> So what do you think, oh, young lady? Who should have been champion that uh, that never was champion? What do you mean by that? Well, we're talking about we're, we're talking about about wrestlers that should have been world champions that either never got the opportunity or wasted their opportunity to become world champions. Hmm. That's kind of tough. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, there's, there's one obvious one that will probably hit near the end, but, you know, I, I, I think that his legacy far outweighed him being world heavyweight champion. I don't think he needed a championship, but it would have been nice to add to his legacy. Hmm. Well, while you're thinking about it, we're gonna we're gonna move on to the next um, to the next topic. Yeah, right. So we we already covered Buddy Landell, we covered Gino Hernandez, we touched on Scott Hall. Who else do you think should have been world champion that either never got the opportunity or or just didn't cash in on it? I I, I think Rick Rude makes it, makes an awesome world heavyweight champion. Oh, most definitely. You know, Rick had Rick had it all in terms of uh, uh, in ring in ring presence and his uh, his work rate and just his overall attitude. He had the he had the 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 poise and the uh, class and the charisma of a world champion. Uh, I think uh, I think he got caught up in the shuffle in the WWF at a time where uh, uh, much bigger wrestlers were uh, being put into positions to challenge. 
Hogan for the world title. I think Rude uh, in a different time would have definitely been um, a, a more a more top contender than he was. Or if he had gone back to the NWA during Flair's uh, uh, reigns or Dusty's reigns as world champion, he would have definitely got his shots then. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think, like you said, I think that, you know, the, the guy had it all. He could do it on the mic. He could do it in the ring. Just his presence. And, again, his his ability when he was a, a bad guy to generate heat. And I think I like Rick Rude more as a bad guy than I did as a good guy. Um, I just think he had that, that persona about him um, and, you know, was able to um, just generate that hatred, you know, because he, he just insulted everybody. Um because they didn't have the the physique that that he had, and you know we were all out of shape and fat and lazy people. Nobody wants to hear that we're fat and overweight and lazy. But yet he said it to crowd. Yeah, but he wasn't lying though. No, he was. I'm not saying he was lying. I said, I'm, listen, I'm a fat guy. I don't like being called fat though, unless I'm doing it. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, I I just got done. I got done um, working this past Saturday in, in Dyersburg for Pro Wrestling Mid South, and uh, yeah, needless to say, they didn't like being called that either because there was two sections of the crowd um one were they were about you know five by five and i called them the moose section and then the other were like four <laughs> by five and i called them the oink section and yeah they didn't care for me talking about the moon oink sections of the of the uh of the herb walsh russell too bad truth hurts get over it <laughs> right <laughs> hey what can i tell you i was one of them i i'm god bless i mean i've been fortunate enough to get good trainers and to to have a wife who's supportive of, of a healthier eating lifestyle. And uh, I've gone in, since 2011, I've gone from 325 down to 205. And so I, I'm just enjoying life right now. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm eating, you know, much healthier than I was. Um, I was at, I was one time up over, over three bills and I'm down to about 265, 270 now. So I'm well, that's awesome. Um, I'm not I'm not as big as I was, but I you know I, I could be a, a, you know just a little bit smaller than I am now. Yeah, but, but yeah, Rick comes was definitely a guy that, that that could have been world champion had he been positioned uh, the right way. Uh, you know, he was a great intercontinental champion. Uh, he did. If I wasn't, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he win a version of the world title at the tail end of WCW? Yeah, and, and that's that's going to lead me in, um, to my next guy. I just I, I don't really kind of count that one because it was kind of, I don't I don't want to call it, you know, a cheesy one because any world champion, you know, is a world champion, but I just, I, I you know, I, I don't really, that was kind of near the end. It was, you know, it was in the waning days of the promotion, you know, yeah. and I think it was just yeah, kind of, I mean, well, this, you know. It was still um, a world title, but I, I think he could have been, I think he could have been NWA world heavyweight champion, uh, Right, the old 10 pounds of gold, the old WWF title, um, you know, because that's the era he's from. I think Rude made a mistake going up to New York. I think had he stayed in the Carolinas and and stayed in the NWA, he would have probably been world champion at some point. Yeah, because, I mean, he was on on a good bit of a run with with him and, and Manny Fernandez as the tag team champions. You know, so he you know, he was he was on his way up, but I think, you know, the the allure of New York kind of pulled him, you know, in another direction. Um Well yeah, and I mean, want to work, work Madison Square Garden. Garden. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, and I'm not begrudging anybody and as we get to the list of those who 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 shouldn't have, 
I won't begrudge anybody that gets the opportunity and wins a, a world title um, because, you know, it does put you in the history books. You know, it does kind of notch your legacy a little bit. Um, but we'll take – I'm going to go one more guy, and then we'll get to our next caller. And, again, a sure. guy that I, I don't consider winning a world championship, although he did, um, but he should have won the 10 pounds of gold from Ric Flair or in that time, and that's one Barry Windham. You know, I mean, I, I always thought that Barry Windham uh, kind of held himself back because he refused to he refused to acknowledge and and to encourage uh, that mean streak that he inherited from his father, Blackjack Mulligan. I mean, the Blackjacks, Mulligan and Lonzo were just ruthless competitors, and I think Barry, in in uh, trying to placate the crowd um, consciously. So as to not be lumped in with with his father's blackjack legacy, uh, did himself a disservice. I, I don't think he. I don't think Barry really had the uh, had the tenacity or the edge to win the world title. No, and, and that's another guy that I, I kind of liked as a heel because that 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 heritage that he had was coming out of him, you know. And you're like, man, this guy could be a really good heel, but he spent so much time being a babyface, it was hard to to view him as a heel, and I think if he'd have been a heel, he probably would have been a little more successful, you know, than he was. And, again, I think it's a uh, misunderstanding. I mean, again, you know, he won the quote-unquote world title in 93, but it, it, it just didn't have the same impact. Um, no, but, I mean, you take, a look at, you take a look at what he and, and, uh, and Bradshaw accomplished as the Blackjacks up in um, – up in WWE, you know, with Lanza in their corner. I mean, you know, you can't you you can do all you want to not acknowledge your past or not acknowledge your legacy, but you know, once a blackjack, always a blackjack. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I don't know where we're going to go with this call, Chaz, but it's it's it's. Your buddy and mine, and that is the one and only uh, Rat Boy from Trenton, New Jersey. Rat Boy, what's going on? Awesome, hey, Rat Boy, what's happening, brother? Not much, brother. You know how we hang? Come on now. Uh, I tell you what. Who should have been world champion, bro? Which wrestler from back in the day should have been world champ? You want me to tell you? Yes, the sky put a cake in my face, got his birthday bag. I have to go with Superfly Snooker. Yeah, dude, there's a guy that, I mean, he came within, what, three feet of being the world champion back in the yep. early 80s against Backlund in Madison Square Garden? I mean, that leap off the top of the cage is still being talked about. Yeah, absolutely. Morocco. I mean, their match was, was one for the ages as well. But, I mean, Snooka missing that splash against Backlund, I mean, that was his shot right there. You know, that, came yeah, within, that, he came within mere feet of beating Backlund for that title. Yeah, and, you know, and I mean, he, he, is on, he is actually one of the guys that I have on my list. Um, again, a, a great – you know, guy that could have been champion. That, I mean, that really did it all, you know, shy of world championship titles, you know, pretty much everywhere he went, you know, in, in the Mid-Atlantic, in the, in the you know, in the WWF, you know, he 
and he had it all. He, he had the charisma. He had the crowd behind him, you know, and yeah. j- just a, 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 a great guy that really could wrestle and could, you know, could, could do the high-flying stuff, could brawl with you, um, you know, and really just was revolutionary. And when you think about it, you know, we see all these guys doing all these crazy flips now, but Snooker was one of the guys that, at least for me, was an originator of those high-flying, crazy kind of moves that he does. Oh, yeah, and as, and as Rap Boy said, not only Snooker, but Don Morocco. Talk about a guy that never got his shot. I mean, he had a few shots at Hogan, but he never was – they always try to stack the, gang, the deck against Morocco. I mean, between the stipulations and uh, referees quick to disqualify him – I mean, he never gave Morocco a fair shake in his title matches. I, I, I thought, as Rap Boy said, Don Morocco should have been world champ. Absolutely, absolutely, and mm-hmm. I think he would have been a very good. Again, he, I mean, he had the look. He was big. He could talk. You know, I don't think he necessarily needed a mouthpiece. Although at times he, you know, he had them, but I don't think he was a guy that really, you know, needed. It. Other than he was a, a heel, you know, heel wrestler, and you need that heel manager to kind of interfere and do some shady things for you to kind of get the advantage. Um, but I don't think that he needed I mean, it. I think he could have done it without well, it. I, I, I mean, you know, here, I, I always have a um, – I always am willing to debate the idea of, of having a manager. A manager does a lot more than just speak for you. I mean, if, if that was the case, then superstar Billy Graham would have never have been paired up with the Grand Wizard. And look at the combination those two had. So I don't necessarily yeah. agree with the idea of – only guys that can't get their their point across verbally need managers because a, a, a manager's that intangible sometimes that will put you over the top. And like you said, Morocco a lot of times didn't have a manager, and maybe that hurt him in the long run. You know that extra set yeah. of eyes, that extra that extra person there willing to have his back and do whatever to get him the W. I mean, it could have worked against him as well. It, it could have. I mean, it, 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 it most certainly could have. Um, but, again, you know, Snuka or, you know, even Morocco, um, you know, I believe, you know, could have, you know, been a, a great, you know, heavyweight champion. Um, right along the oh, same lines as, um, as, as Ted DiBiase, um, whether he's the million-dollar man or was Ted DiBiase in Mid-South, I, you know, I think he could have been – a, a great uh, world champion. But let's remember, Ted DiBiase was the WWF world champion at one time. On a technicality. <laughs> I, 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 technicality. I, I, I don't want to hear about it. He he went, he bought it, paid for it, he and owned it. it. And Andre, on the record books, Ted DiBiase <laughs> defeated Andre the Giant for the world title. <laughs> Yes, he did. Now, whether, I remember that. Whether he did, yeah, whether he did it by buying it or the finger poke of doom, doesn't matter. Teddy was the one. Yeah, he got a million dollars. He could buy anything. He bought his own belt. Remember that? He bought his own belt. But yes, listen, he's walking around with belt. Virgil. He's just walking and, around and, and with Virgil. I remember the night he bought the title. I remember it, you know, vividly. And, and, I was hoping maybe people forgot about it, but I just oh, think no. I, I think I would like to Saturday night's main event broadcast live on NBC. God, I'd never forget that. I, I'll never forget that night. 
And Andre, oh, in, his, in his very thick French accent, surrendered the title to Ted DiBiase. And I mean, and what and what a what a shock that was! Like, because nobody had had ever done that before. Nobody. No. 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 And, I mean, it was unheard of to. Right, and for it to happen on national television was was even more ludicrous that, you know, I, I almost didn't want to believe it when I saw it. Well, not only that, but Hogan, you know, you, you had Andre defeating Hogan for the title, which really after WrestleMania three, nobody expected Andre to, to really have another shot to defeat Hogan, and he did, you know, given you had the, the, the double ref uh, screw job with the Hebner brothers. But, you know, again, no one, that whole evening, no one expected Hogan to lose. No one expected the Hebners to both show up and work against each other. And to cap it all off, no one expected Andre to surrender the title to Ted DiBiase. Yeah, and, yeah, and you, you look at all of that was happening in one single match. You know, all of all of this, you know, mind you, all this took place in less than 10 minutes' time. And I don't, maybe it could be a little longer, but most Hogan matches don't go more than 10 minutes. So I'm pretty safe in saying all of this transpired within 10 minutes of bell time to bell time, and we've had essentially two new champions in, in, in that time, again, on national television. It, I mean, it was genius, you know, in its own right as oh, far yeah. as, you know, and booking, because nobody saw it coming. It was national television. Hogan doesn't lose on TV. You know, it's just going to be another – it's Andre the Giant. He's going to beat him again to solidify Hogan as being Hogan. And what do you know, Andre beats him. Well, I mean, here you want to talk about unexpected title changes, but for somebody that actually really earned it, I, I got to talk about one of Rat Boy's favorites right now, the Iron Sheik. I was yeah. watching on cable on MSG Network. It was Boxing Day, 1983. I'll never forget it. I was at my aunt's home. We were uh, we were doing the uh, the post Christmas uh, leftover celebration, and I went downstairs into the rec room to watch. The wrestling from MSG, and I never figured Backlund to lose to the Sheik. Not, but, not, I mean, you know, Backlund, not anywhere. But Backlund had a legit shoulder injury, a legit neck injury, and the Sheik took advantage of it. And then before you know it, you know, do I? Everybody blamed Arnold Scollin for uh, for throwing in the towel, but he, he had to look out for his man. I mean, you know, Bob could have been severely messed up and or paralyzed. Because the Sheik wasn't letting go once he put that camel clutch on him. No, he wasn't. Well, you know, there goes the towel. There goes the towel. I saw that yeah. match. There yeah. goes the towel. Rapo, you know, you know all too well about the camel clutch, don't you? I know everything about the camel clutch. I know how to put it on, too. <laughs> uh, somewhere out there's got to be a midget Hulk Hogan that Rat Boy can just uh, make humble and break his back. What do you think, Rat Boy? Yeah, we could do that. I'm ready. <laughs> you up for that? I promoted the higher, the first. the higher shrimpers you're ready. I got another uh, yeah, one for you. I got to do it first. Find Mini Hogan for the Iron Shrimp. Let's get it out again. Right. And we will yeah. give you exclusive booking rights to agent like Chaz to whoever you want to be the agent for that night. Oh, I want to be the bookie that night. Are you kidding me? The uh, opening odds are three to one on Rap Boy. <laughs> well, that's we'll do the exclusive night, and you can represent whoever you want that night. Oh no, I'll just sit at ringside and collect on bo collect both sides of the book. 
I'll collect the holding money, I'll collect the rep boy money, and I'll just pay out the winners. Oh, we're all good. Just send me a ticket, and I'll be there, and just send me a ticket back, and I'm gone. All right. Well, let's let's get back. To, let's get back. To, hey, Rapper, I got a question for you. No, seriously, y'all. Um, before DiBiase went to the WWF, before he became the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, right when he was getting ready to leave Mid South, do you think DiBiase legitimately could have beat Ric Flair for the NWA title? I believe so. Wow, I, I yeah. can't believe I'm going to say this on on national airways, but I I think I agree with Rapport. Yeah, yeah. Why do you I, I think that? The Why why do you feel that? Why do you feel that DiBiase could have defeated Ric Flair? I I think yeah. he had Ric Flair's number on more than one occasion. I think, in, especially in the Mid South yeah, territory. Yep, and plus plus all of a sudden, the South territory brought it. But they brought it to the WWE, DiBiase versus uh, yeah. Ric Flair. They brought yeah. it there too, you know. Oh, absolutely! I mean, thing again. As the queen of the of the uh, the podcast run-ins, my wife Amy has said, you know, DiBiase was a wrestler's wrestler. Flair was, in her opinion, Flair was all show. DiBiase was all goal. Absolutely. And I think that I think that is a, a testament to his background at Mid-South because Bill Watts, you better be ready to handle yourself if you had, if you worked for Bill Watts. Bill didn't, didn't put up with guys that were that didn't have the the toughness or the testicular fortitude to, to be champions. Well, I, I was listening well, to Jake Roberts. Can you tell a story about Ted DiBiase? Let me tell you this little story, okay? It's, it's a real quick story. One yeah, night, I was in a bar called Champions here in Trenton. Ted DiBiase okay. walks in. I was doing karaoke. I'd done a song called Teddy Bear. After I'd done Teddy Bear, Ted DiBiase came up to me and bought me a couple beers. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I got another guy for you. He said, working for Bill Watts, there was no losing a bar fight outside of, you know, the arena. If you lost a bar fight, you lost your job. Because you can't have any wrestlers getting beat up by by patrons in a bar. Like, you had to be able to handle yourself, you know, in a bar. And it, I think, it's, I think you know, Ted DiBiase was one of those guys, because of his lineage, because of his upbringing, could more than handle himself, you know, in, in, a, in, a, you know, in, in a bar fight, for sure. Well, I mean, here, Watts wasn't the only one that espoused that that old school uh, philosophy. Eddie Graham did it too down in Florida. Because yeah, you had you had the, you were you were supposed to be a man's man at that time, and you were you know you needed to be a legitimate tough guy. Agreed. But I'll tell you guys a, little, a very brief uh, Ted DiBiase story. We were at it was my first Cauliflower Alley Club reunion, and uh, I met Ted and actually in in the in the bar line at one of the banquets. I think it was the Tuesday night the bologna blowout banquet. And uh, we got to talking, and Ted DiBiase taught me in about three minutes how to make an entrance. And he said to me, and I'll never forget it, he said, Kid, he said, when you go through that curtain, whether you're in front of 200 or 20,000, in your mind's eye, you're in Madison Square Garden, 
and you own the joint. Make sure they know you own the joint. That's Ted DiBiase right then and there. Absolutely. Substance, definitely. But that's the genius of Ted DiBiase. I never forgot that, and I always utilize it. So when I enter the curtain, you'll see me go through the curtain, two steps, stop, look to the left, look to the right, let these people know that they're in the presence of greatness and that I own them. Walk straight to the ring. And that was Ted DiBiase. He was, there was no BS about DiBiase, no matter what type of, of message he was trying to get across. No, absolutely not. You know, Ted DiBiase was the same, you know, we, we called him the million-dollar man in the WWF, but he was the same Ted DiBiase that was wrestling for Bill Watts, you know, in, in, in the early 80s. You know, he was the same guy, you know, yeah. you know, coming to the ring, still carry that same, whether he was a good guy or a bad guy. And, again, I liked him better as a bad guy because he carried that arrogance with him. Even in Mid-South when he was a bad guy, he had an arrogance that you're not better than me. There's nobody in this promotion that's better than me. I don't care if it's Ric Flair, you know, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, you know, Hacksaw, as, as Bill Watts would call him, Hacksaw Dugan, um, you know, yep. Butch Reed. None of them were better than me as being Ted DiBiase. I'm going to throw one out to you guys that we probably didn't have on the list or probably didn't think about. And Rat Boy, he's from your home state. In his heyday, do you think okay, Gorilla okay. Monsoon – all right, in, in his okay. prime – do you think Gorilla Monsoon had any shot at beating Bruno for the world title? Uh, I think Gorilla Monsoon should have been champ. He should have been back in the day. Yeah. But but there's two other people that came from my home my home state. Okay. All right. That's never been champion. One is King Kong Bundy. Yeah, the well, they screwed was, him. We'll, we'll get into that cage match in a second. They screwed him. And, and the other one, the other one is Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. Oh, the beast from the east? Bam yes. Bam Bigelow? Yeah. Oh, surprisingly, he did not Bam Bam. I wasn't even thinking of Bam Bam when I, when I was making my list. Oh, dude. I mean, come on. Bam Bam Bigelow was probably the best all-around big man I've ever seen. I mean, the yes. guy could throw a drop kick from a standing position at 300-plus pounds. Doing well, he, he, he flew around like he was 205 pounds. Oh, exactly. He had so much agility. Exactly. I mean, you know, here, not even so much the NWA title or the WWF title. Bam Bam had legitimate shots to be the IWGP champion, the All Japan World Champion, the New Japan World Champion. I mean, prior to prior to Vader, they had never seen anybody like Bam Bam before in Japan. Right, and well, nobody is agile. And I mean, Vader was was somewhat agile. I mean, a little bit bigger, but I think pound for pound, I think Bam Bam was was a better all around wrestler than Vader was. Oh, most definitely. And and let's get Rap Boy. You're gonna love this one. You know, Bundy had a legitimate shot to beat Hogan at WrestleMania, too. He got screwed. They changed the cage, and they made a shorter door so that Bundy couldn't get out. And if you look at that, they went from chain link 15-foot high with a 9-foot door to a, um, 
only a six-foot clearance on that door. So, so they made sure they stacked that deck against Thunder. That one again. WrestleMania 2, look, just look blue, at the cage. That was the blue uh, box that cage. cage. That was the first time they used that cage. And um, if you Bobby Heenan used to tell this story all the time, that nobody knew that they were going to use that cage until they got into the arena that day. And Bundy looked at Heenan and said, I'm screwed. How the hell am I supposed to squeeze through this door? I mean, the door was, what, six feet tall by, like, four feet wide? Well, Bundy was four and a half feet wide himself. He was a condominium with legs, remember? That's what Bobby Heenan called him. (laughs) Oh, exactly. And there was no way, no way he was going to climb out over the top of that cage. No way. this way. And put it this way, that they announced them before they before the cage even dropped down. They dropped the cage on them. Yes, they did. At the time. They did, because he, cause he couldn't get through the doorway. Right. He, get in the he was screwed after, 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 that, after that cage came down. He was screwed. That was it. He was done. Yeah, I mean, if anybody thinks that, you know, that professional wrestling doesn't have its uh, its moments where – uh, a champion will manipulate the rules or manipulate the stipulations to save his uh, to save his own ass and to save his belt. Think again. I mean, these guys don't forget. You know, uh, Monsoon when he was announcing always talked about the winner's share of the money. That was legitimate. Winners got more money than the guys that lost the match. World champions got more money than everybody else. Why? Because they helped draw the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Bruno, all the Bruno sold out Madison Square Garden more than anybody. Superstar Billy Graham, 25 sellouts. Pedro Morales, 18, 19 sellouts of Madison Square Garden. They got the lion's share of the money those nights because they were the draw. Absolutely. Okay, I, 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 got, I, got, I got a good one for you. All right, let's okay. have it, buddy. How about Luda Vashal? World Women's Champion? Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. A female. There were a lot of women. Luna Vachon was definitely one that should have been the world women's champion. There's another one that will come to mind. I'll go back to the 70s. Vicki Williams. Vicki Williams, Moolah uh-huh. screwed her left and right. Uh-huh. Vicki Williams should have been champion many times. And, and plus, look at, look at the WWE uh, Hall of Famer now, Shafee Keever. She never won it either. Yeah, well, I mean, I, my opinion on Stacey Kibler is that she didn't have the she didn't have the ability to win it. To be honest, I mean, you look at where who was champion and who were the top contenders at that time. No way she beats Medusa. No way she beats Bull McConnell. No way no. she beats Monster Ripper. It ain't gonna happen. She was just there at the wrong time, brother. Yeah, but but, but look, now now look at her. Now she now she's a whole thing. Put it that way. Right, Bruno, real quick, in his Madison Square Garden. Bruno sold out Madison Square Garden 188 times. Rolling Stones sold out three times. 180. It's that. That's that's a. Well, you know, we we always thought, you know, that um, um, Lou Gehrig's, you know, um, streak would never be beaten until Cal Ripken did it. But right there, I said. This 188 times will probably never be broken. Never. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, you look at um, you, you look at at the time. 
you know, when, when Bruno was champion, um, you had to legitimately win that title in the ring. Absolutely. I mean, that's when wrestling was, was great again. I mean, you know, I, I don't, as Bobby Heenan has said this, the minute you open the curtain and the minute you explain how the magic trick is performed, uh, you may as well just pack up shop. Because once yeah. you let the crap out of the horse, it ain't going back in. Going back in. Kids, back in, I'm going back to myself. I started watching wrestling in 72. So when we were, when I was a kid and you watched wrestling, you didn't, there was none of this internet nonsense and none of this, uh, oh, who are they going to put the belt on? What are you, stupid? You didn't put a belt on anybody. You either won it or lost it in the ring. Right, absolutely. You know, it was a matter of, it was a matter of who could win it, who could lose it. Yeah, I mean, my wife has said this a million times, and she's right. When the territories died, wrestling died. Absolutely. It was a big part of wrestling yep. died. Yep. No, wrestling died. Yeah. I mean, and little known fact, uh, Earl San Martino was not protected. He was not guided. But he was definitely looked out for by uh by our friends in the uh in the uh, uh the Italian American community I should say <laughs> I mean he was uh Bruno was very well connected don't let anybody think that the uh that the Boston mob wasn't behind Bruno cuz they were I I've heard that but and I've heard again, it from countless people takes nothing away from Bruno I mean you know come on uh, the mob at that time controlled boxing and wrestling but I mean, right. it wasn't that uh, it wasn't that Bruno was protected. The man fought wars in the ring. I mean, That's Jesus, true. he had his neck broken by Stan Hansen and came back what within months of having his neck broke. I, I watched a, an old documentary of Bruno San Martino and his upbringing and his breaking into wrestling, and he would do literally pre pre match in Madison Square Garden was doing laps around the concourse before people got there. And it wasn't just one well, or I mean, two. It was 50, 60 laps around Madison Square Garden. Well, I mean, there, there was nobody there was nobody more fit than Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund nope. was just a goof when it came to fitness. I mean, Absolutely. I remember watching him on, on, on WWF television doing the Harvard step test for an hour. While the matches were going on, I mean, he would cut back and forth, and this guy didn't stop. I mean, that's why Bob. If you take a look at him now, he's in great shape for his age. Absolutely. Can I say something about Bob? Can I say something about Bob Backlund? Yes. Yeah, go ahead, bud. What happened was that his uh, car broke down here in Trenton. He was going to okay. do it to the arena. Yeah. What happened was that he called the tone company right to get his Quartoed, right? Okay. Because you picked him up, my brother-in-law. Oh, that's right? awesome. And uh, what happened was that uh, you do some nice bar back then, you know, I, I need to get to the CVS. Can you do me a favor? Sure, why not? What happened was that uh, he went to the CVS, got his medicine, ran around the corner, they stuck up my sister's house. My sister says, who's this guy? Oh, I'm Bob Backman. You know who I am? My, my sister said, no, I'm a wrestler. Oh, you know Rat Boy? I heard of him. Right? And what happened was that when I got up there at the arena that night, right, walking around, he was out there protesting that he wouldn't be president and all this other stuff, right? 
I ran into your uh, brother and your sister that picked me up because my car broke down. I said, oh, really? So, so you got a nice family. But every time I go to the conventions and all, he's always saying that I got a nice family. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. That's awesome. I love I, that. I, think, I, I think it's before we move on to the guys that should never have been champion. Uh, I, I, got I think you got, you got one more. Yeah, I don't want to give it away. I know who it is, but I don't want to give it away. I'm going to leave that for you to give away. Go ahead. Two, two of the ones of that giveaway. My my second to last would be a very close friend to the one that's actually on top, and that would be one Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Definitely. I think you had it all again. Mike skills, great body, great, you know, Great persona, um, you know, it was, was easy to hate because he, he, he made you hate him, um, you know, yeah. and was just... He couldn't, I, he couldn't quite topple Hogan, but he gave it a, he gave it a hell of a run. He, he, did, give it, he, did, he did give it a hell of a run. Um, and, of course, my, my number one being Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Oh, Rap, what do you think? Piper should have been world champion, don't you think? Yeah, and you know who else? The Dynamite Kid. Yeah, but Dynamite Kid was more of a tag team wrestler, though, I would think. British Bulldog, maybe? Dynamite Kid, I don't think, is was world and championship category. And Owen Hart. They all should have been there. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, Piper is definitely, though. I mean, I mean, come on. The war to settle the score on MTV brought wrestling to the forefront. Wrestling was Absolutely. still regionalized, and, and people watched it, but they didn't admit that they watched it. But when you had right. Hogan and, and Piper on MTV from Madison Square Garden, that brought wrestling into the mainstream. Yeah. And, and, and I, I tell people all the time, Hogan made wrestling popular. and I mean, I don't think anybody could argue that, but Piper made it cool to watch it. Like you were cool if you if you knew who Roddy Piper was and you watched it. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember watching Roddy Piper in the seventies when the they used to have the broadcast from the Olympic Auditorium in L.A. and those broadcasts were on the Spanish language network back here, and you the only thing that was in English were the promos. Everything else was in Spanish, and there was a very young, very thin Roddy Piper that worked L.A. at that time, and you knew back then that, th- that this guy was going to be the goods. Well, was that, was that okay, where, okay. I, I can't remember, but I did hear a story. He was, it was in a, I don't know if it was, he was against a, a South American, a Mexican performer, but he actually played La Cucaracha on his bagpipes, kind of as an insult. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's a guy who put the over his own head to get his point across. Well, my yeah, wife is I, laughing I, now. She said, because I'm talking about the Olympic back in 74, 75, that I'm showing my age. Of course I am. I'm old. I'll be 56 right. this year. I'm just now hitting my prime. Oh, man. <laughs> you, you'll be like Michael Hayes. You'll be in your prime to your 99. Come on. Exactly. Look at, look at I'm, me. Walking, I'm, I'm, 50, I'm 59 years old. Come on. I'll be hitting 60 next year. 
Yep. If I'm walking, I'm working. Right, absolutely. Yeah, Piper definitely should have been champion. But, look, guys, let's move on to um, the guys that shouldn't have been champion. And if you'll indulge me, I like to go first on this one. There is a gentleman that became the AWA world champion that should never have gotten that shot, should never have gotten that lucky, and that's Otto Vox. Otto was horrible. But, you know, (laughs) like they say, on any given night, you got a puncher's chance. He got lucky. He upended Nick Bockwinkle, became world champion. But, God, was he terrible. Uh, Yeah, just god-awful. Again, not taking anything away from him, if if if, if I can say that, but he just uh, it just got awful. I mean, he wanted just, the ring. I mean, I've watched the match at least ten times. Still haven't figured out how the hell he upended a guy like Bockwinkle, but he did. You know. Yeah, I. I, uh, I just yeah, I, just just terrible. Just I think a terrible choice. I think it was just. Um, yeah, not not a very good champion, and not not very watchable as champion. I I just couldn't. I've seen it a couple of times, and I don't know that I can say that I've watched it. In I mean, I've seen it in its entirety, but not all at one time because I I just I, well, I, I couldn't do it. When he when he lost the title back to Bachwinkle, um, I was there that night. He lost it at the International Amphitheater in Chicago. Bachwinkle never got cheered before until that night. I mean, that joint wow. went up. 13,000 people, and they were on their feet for Bachwinkle. And Bachwinkle was hated in Chicago. Yeah. But they hated wow. Otto a little bit more. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I, so I think Ray, my... I'm going to ask you, brother, um, who was a world champ that you thought should never have been a world champion? You ready for this? Yep. I had to, I had to say uh, the guy that really done a lot of damage, it could be shameless. Yeah, I could see that. He, he never quite had that world champion charisma. I could see that. No, because because what it is that he showed up one night, and all of a sudden the next night he had a match with John Cena, and he took the belt right off for John Cena. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Remember that? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I see that. I, I can, I can understand that. Um, and that's, so that's, that's, that's how he got that, that's how he's got his job in his WWE. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, so, sir. I, I'm going to. What do you think? I'm going to go back to Um, I'm sorry, guy, guy, Chaz. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm saying, what, what do you think? Somebody that was world champ that really, you, you don't understand how the hell they want it. That would be one Ronnie Garvin. I don't know how he got there. I don't know how he, he was able to do it, but he did it. Yeah, buying, isn't it? I, you know, I just wanted to show you, and again, it's a cliche then. You know, every fighter that gets in the ring at challenges for a world title has a legitimate chance of getting lucky. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and again, like I said, you know, you know, especially you know, any given night, you know, any given Sunday, you know, whatever cliche you want to pull out, it, you know, it was the right time at the right night, and 
you know, and, and he won it. Um, going to go maybe a little more controversial because I, I think the people loved him to death. Don't think he deserved a world title, even with all of the the stipulations and things around him. But I don't think Kerry Von Erich deserved a title, you know, a title run or title shot. Well, the shot was David's. I understand the shot. I understand that emotion. I understand that the emotion can sometimes carry you to victory. But again, here's a guy that was his his own worst enemy. And what are you holding out for? Twelve days, thirteen days? I think it's twelve, thirteen, something like that. Yeah, less than two weeks. He just he didn't have the champion's heart. That I don't care. I mean, I'm not going to speak ill of the dead, but. Kerry was a no, better absolutely. challenger than a champion. There's a guy that yeah. was focused when he was chasing the title, but once he won it, didn't know what the hell to do with it. Right. Yeah, and I think the I money think, I think the, the match where, Yeah, I think the match where he had a legitimate shot at losing, though, really wasn't the flair match in Japan. It was the match he had two nights before against uh, Jumbo Sharuda. I mean, you know, another guy that, that got shots at the world title that never deserved it and was just god-awful, and my wife brings this up, was the Mighty Igor. Remember the Mighty Igor back in the old AWA days? He used to wear his, uh, used to wear his yes. cut-off long johns to the ring. God, was he terrible. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now you're making me feel Steve, Steve Logan <laughs> just sent, uh, sent me a message, and Steve's right. I mean, you know, rather than, than – uh, then Sheamus, the you know the the guy that really should have had a legitimate shot at the title and really been champion was Nakamura. Yeah, I I, I like Shinsuke Nakamura. I like him a lot. I, uh, you know I, I you know I, I think he I think he deserves better. I think he's he's underused, underutilized, under everything really. I don't you know I don't think he gets nearly the respect or the the opportunities that he deserves that he's worked for. No, his his matches with Bobby Roode for the NXT title were just classics. Right. Oh, they they were they were over the top classic. They were, you know, as ESPN would say, they they are instant classics. Well, I mean, here you know what, and Steve Logan will always uh, will always attest to this and talk about this. What really separates Japanese wrestling right now from American wrestling is that big fight feel. When the Japanese put on an event, it's got that same electricity that a boxing world title event would have. Whereas a lot of times uh, American wrestling companies don't have that, you know? No, they don't. They don't. But I, I think at one time they did. I think, you know, you, you go back to, sure, you know, did. the early, you know, Flair and Race or Flair and Rhodes, you know, they had Brother, them, them big time feels about them. Brother, that, that, that whole idea died in 87. Okay, like Absolutely. I said, and Stroh's heard this a million times, I was at the very first Super Clash show at Comiskey Park where it was just an all-star stellar lineup from top to bottom. Uh, every, you know, you had Rick Martel defending the AWA world title against Stan Hansen. Uh, Rick Flair and Magnum TA were the main event. I mean, it was just up and down the card uh, main events. And, yeah, we were in – 38,000, I think it was, in Comiskey Park that night. And it, you knew you were at something special. But, you know, nowadays you'll go to – I mean, I was at Hell in the Cell. And, yeah, there it was a full house uh, back at Rosemont. What was it, last year? 
it was a full house and and it was you know a pay per view and it, it it had that uh that that great production quality but I don't know I didn't feel the electricity I didn't feel the goosebumps walking into the Allstate as I did going into the amphitheater or Kaminsky Park or or Chicago Stadium or, or when I was a very young lad back in '75 Madison Square Garden. Please, you go in the garden on fight night or on wrestling night on a Monday, if you didn't get goosebumps going into the garden, you didn't have a heart. No, absolutely. And I'm looking at the card now, and, you know, even, you know, I guess it was the opening match, you know, you had, um, was it Mr. Electricity Steve Regal against Brad Reagans, you know, for the light heavyweight championship, you know, and, you know, you're down the card a little bit. You got Mil Mascaras against Buddy Roberts. I'm glad you brought that up. No, Mascara should never have been a world champion anywhere, including Mexico. He was overrated. (laughs) He wasn't even the greatest lucha. He was so overrated, it wasn't even funny. (laughs) I'm not Ivan Koloff. Ivan Koloff legit won the title, Rat Boy. He dropped that damn bro, man. And I never, I wasn't at the card because I was only four years old, but. From when you read all the accounts of it and you listen to when Bruno was on his documentary talking about it, 17,000 people went silent. Bruno thought he lost yeah. his hearing because he didn't hear anybody. Yeah. When they won silent, the title. You know, that whole that yeah. whole um, – I mean, that whole idea of uh, stunned silence – that was legit that night. Absolutely was. Absolutely. And and they still it's one of them matches that people still talk about to this day. I mean listen, I mean there there's been you know, there are say millions of wrestling matches throughout the world, you know, since it it's it's, you know, onset and you know, especially as it came into television, you know, in the in the late fifties and sixties all the way through to now. But there's very few that really have Hey, let's talk about you know a match or you know, but that when when Ivan beat Bruno, that is that was definitely one to remember. And there I say you know yeah. we don't talk about that. You know, again yeah. when you talk about you know we can talk about upsets, we could talk about you know stunning things or surprise things that happen. That will be on that list somewhere. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, like you said, there's been thousands and thousands of wrestling matches since the let's even just go back to the time of of Strangler Lewis and uh, Jim Londis back in the 20s and 30s there have been thousands of, of wrestling matches and literally thousands of championship matches but there might be 10 that are remembered through the course of history absolutely and if you and if you make and that yeah, one guy that was never a world champion, thank God, it would never be a world champion, that my wife likes to point out with a snicker is Wayne Munn. Not happening. <laughs> okay, I'm going to throw one out, okay? I know everybody likes him and all, okay? And they've been asking him when he's coming back, Alberto Del Rio. Yeah, I mean, Del Rio? Del Rio's a, a, a terrible human being, but he... You know, he carried himself in the ring with the poise of a champion. Yeah. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. a, a, a terrible human being, you know, 
and but for whatever reason was able to get people to to hate him or to like him or whatever. But yeah, I, I don't I don't think oh, that, bro, he's, that was legit hatred. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. you know, given my long-standing relationship and and my my closeness to the to the Knight family, uh, yeah, I got nothing good to say about Del Rio. Zero. Yeah, no, I, yeah and and, and there, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that would have anything nice to say about Del Rio. No, um, no. The best part about the best part of Del Rio was Ricardo Rodriguez, who's a, a very uh, good friend of mine, and that was the only good part of Del Rio. Del Rio was just an asshole. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, but you know, I, that I think another Mirko, that and watching Mirko Krokop kick his ass in MMA that was hilarious. Knocked him that out in like great. forty seconds. Yeah, that that you know we talk about karma, you know, and that that was karma coming back without a doubt. Oh, without a doubt. You know, I take I take a lot of heat now because it's not that I don't I dismiss what's going on currently, but yeah, I mean I'm more nostalgic for the old days, and and maybe that's. Uh, Maybe that's not fair to to what's going on right now. But I think maybe uh, we should do a little small category of someone who is not yet world champion that should get his shot or her shot and legitimately attempt to become world champion. So out yes. of the current crop, what do you guys think? Yes. Wow, the current crop. Rap boy, go ahead. Who do you think should be? Who do you think should have a legit shot at either? The WWE World Championship or Universal Title or the AEW World Championship. Who do you think? There's only one person comes in mind, okay, that should have it. That's um, Chaz, Chaz, you know, um, Chaz Gabriel, whatever his name is. Chad Gable, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was going on the, the other end of that. And I was thinking more along lines of Shelton Benjamin. Yeah, definitely. Steve Logan uh, just messaged me, and he came up with a very good choice for a guy that that should um, utilize the IC title to cash in on a world on a world title opportunity. That's Gunther. Gunther's a hell of a wrestler. Gunther's a, a, a heck of a performer. I, you know, I think he could be. You know, a, a great world champion. Um, yeah, and, and, and I, I think his time is coming. I think it's coming very soon. You know, and I'm 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 not laying odds, but I would say before the end of 2024. You know, I don't know if it'll happen this year, but before the end of 2024, he will be a world champion if he stays in the WWE. Um, and then where where oh, he goes, if he stays in the WWE, he will be a world champion. I would say without a doubt. Ricochet. Who's that? Ricochet? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Ricochet winning a world title. Just giving yeah, him the opportunities. I said, wow, this guy's good, you know? No, out, of the current crop, out of the current crop, there are guys that, that have failed in their opportunities that I don't think should get any more. I think Bobby Lashley's done. I mean, I, I, don't, I just think he's had enough world title opportunities, and he's just proven that he doesn't have it. And and honestly, and it could be unpopular nowadays, but I think I'm I'm done with Charlotte Flair too. I think she's had more than enough opportunities. I think it's time to to move on and give these other you know other talents on the roster a a shot. Yeah, but and yeah, again, I think it's the time. same thing. They said the same thing about her father, and she's what 
14 times, 16 times women's yeah. champion. Something I mean, you like can't that. deny yeah. the fact that she can, that anytime she's in the ring challenging for that title, she's got a legitimate chance at winning it. I mean, that's Absolutely the same not. thing about Rick back in the day. How many times is Rick Flair going to win the title? Uh, Rick Flair is going to tell any time he wants because Rick Flair had that ability, you know? Absolutely. And, again, I think a guy I mean, in, in a couple of years, you know, two, three years maybe, um, I got a chance to see him on the independent circuit um, here in South Jersey. Um, I think in, in the next probably two and a half, three years, I think Damian Priest, you know, yeah. gets an opportunity possibly wins. I know he had one already, but I, I think, he, you know, it's it's a learning process. I think he's going to capture a world title somewhere, whether it's with WWE or if he goes to, you know, AEW or, or wherever he may go. I think he is destined to be a world champion somewhere. You know, and, and a guy that's yeah. world champion, that it, let's say, you know, let's put it this way. Let's say that, the you know, the, the, the whole concept of breaking the fourth wall was actually legitimate. They held a, they held a tournament. Um, out of all the out of all the major world champions, they held a tournament to determine the the first real undisputed world champion. I will put my money on MJF. That kid is the goose. He he's probably my my of of the of the new crop as well as as we call him tonight. Yes, mine he is too. probably my favorite. Um, the guy eats, breathes, sleeps, you know, and believes. His his gimmick. He believes who he is, and you don't see that. I mean, nowadays on on the podcast no. on Tuesday and I before. No, you don't who's, see that. Who's getting on the elevator? I had to see that dream match. MJF I mean, versus The Miz. Put it nice. that way. Yeah. I, I think MJF lost The Miz. I don't think The Miz No, but no, I mean, but you, I, you you look at it. You look at MJF and. A lot of guys are saying, oh, yeah, they see Flair, or they see DiBiase, or they see that, and they see this. I'll tell you what I see in that kid. I see a combination of Triple H and Nick Bockwinkle. Absolutely. I, I saw Nick Bockwinkle right now. I didn't make the Triple H connection until you said it, but he reminds me a lot of Nick Bockwinkle, the way he carries himself, the way he's better than me and you, and he makes no bones about it. He's articulate. You know, he can formulate mm-hmm. a sentence, you know, and he can talk he circles around anybody. And there's nobody and better on the mic than MJF. He doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to yell and scream to get his point no. across. But he gets in the ring and the kid backs it up. And he backs it up. And I saw him on. They had a clip on him on TMZ. He was getting into an elevator. I don't know where he was leaving, but there was all kinds of people wanting his autograph and wanting his picture. And a guy wanted to follow him onto the elevator. And he told the guy, "Don't, don't get on this freaking elevator. This is my elevator." Get off, and then you hear all the fans. Oh, don't you know? You know, we bought tickets, and 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 you know, and you know, we pay his salary and this and that, and they're they're going on about nonsense. And yeah, you know what? You bought a ticket that night. What you're going to do again? You're going to buy another ticket to go see him again. That's what you're going to do. But you know, here, let's 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 let's, let me let's call out an aspect of modern professional wrestling that is complete and utter nonsense. Okay. The idea of companies, salary, rosters, um, who are they going to put the title on? That's all nonsense. Titles are won and lost in the ring. Wrestlers are paid an appearance fee. From somebody that's in the business, trust me, wrestlers are paid (laughs) an appearance fee 
per appearance based on where they are on the card. Okay, that's always been the case. It always will be the case. So enough with the armchair quarterbacking. Oh, yeah. Enough with the a- – uh, this isn't a comic book. This isn't a soap opera. It's not a movie. It's a legitimate sporting enterprise. Or at least it should Absolutely. be. And, again, that's what well, separates that- the Japanese from us. Uh, uh, yep. I got there, there's something there, you know, what he said about the tickets, you know, you know. You gonna buy another yeah, I mean, ticket to go see him? Come on now. You know, after what he I, said on it. Oh baby. I mean right, what, 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 what? generate his his persona and he and he made everybody standing in that lobby. Yeah, yeah, they they bitched and moaned about him not signing an autograph, but they're going to go see him oh, again because you know what? he doesn't owe them anything. No, he doesn't. He owes them no. nothing. Okay, he's people way. pay to see the event. He owes them nothing. You know, because I, I why think is that we'd be able to show up here, okay? The NWA with Dennis Corlizo. He brought he brought in uh, D.O. Brown. Okay. Okay. We were talking. We were talking to him, and some of the people asked them, "Can we have your autograph?" They said, "No, you, I cannot give you no autographs. I cannot jump in the ring or nothing like that because I I just signed with the WWE. They're stopping me for doing everything." Right. If he would have signed, if he would have signed one autograph, him he must have been. He probably would get kicked out of AEW right there. I mean, here, guys, we, we're we're talking about the old days, the seventies, the eighties, yeah. Um, when when wrestling was uh, was still a legitimate sport, or at least it was or was purported as being a legitimate sport, you went to the arena when the doors opened. You went to your seat. You went to concessions. You bought your program. You bought a little bit of merch. You sat down. You watched the card. Card was over. You got up. You left. You went home. There was nothing. Uh, let's hang outside the hotel waiting for the wrestlers to come back. You didn't know what hotel they were staying at. Nope. I mean, here, you, get these, you get these morons. You get these morons that are stocking airports, stocking hotels. And then, you know, again, are we as workers in the business more accessible than we've ever had? ever have been to the fans? Yes, we are. And, and it's not always a bad thing because most people are, are nice and respectful. But, you know, I, I saw a video recently of Jeff Hardy in an, in an airport, and you got these two goofballs with 10, 12 pictures apiece expecting him to autograph them. Oh, but don't personalize it. And you mean to tell me these guys are fans? Nonsense. They're collectors. They're out there selling those autograph pictures. They're trying yeah, to make a yeah, buck absolutely. on this guy. Yeah, if you want my autograph, you got to pay for it. That's all. I mean, you know, they make fun out of Virgil charging for photo ops and whatnot. But he's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you want to, if, if you're a legit fan, I tell this to fans all the time. If you want me to personalize a picture to you, and you're a legit fan, and I've seen you, and I know you, and I, I know who you are, I will autograph and give you. Not sell you, give you eight by tens of me all day long. But if you're saying, if, if you know, and I'm not a name talent, but if you're saying that, um, 
uh, please sign this for me, but 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 don't but don't per, don't make it out to anybody. You're a collector looking to sell, and you're an idiot. Absolutely. You know, and and I've been I've been like a restaurant. I don't ask them for autographs. You know, I just like I shake their hand and talk to them for a little bit, and that's it. But one time, New Jack, New Jack, New Jack was there, right? He gave me a picture of him with his autograph when he said, here, this is for you, for free. I mean, here, don't get me okay. wrong. The, the boys and girls in the business are not making the kind of money that Hogan made. They're not making the kind of money that Blair made. They're definitely not making the kind of money up and down the card that was made in during the territory days. I mean, you look at payoffs back then, and mid-card guys were making 500. Well, 500 in 1978 was like making 5000 a night right now. So, I mean, right. they make they they supplement their income by selling merchandise. So, please don't take this the wrong way. Fans buy merchandise from the workers. You know, help them to, to accomplish what they need to accomplish and, and put food on their table. I'm not saying don't buy merchandise. I'm saying don't be an ass about it. You know, don't right. show up with, with 15 pictures of your own that you printed up and wanting them to autograph all of them, and they get nothing out of it. All you're doing is taking advantage of their good nature. And you're taking yeah. money out of their pockets and out of their family's pockets. That I don't right. believe it. I mean, you yeah. know. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, cause listen, they, they got to make a living too. They got a family to feed. They got bills to pay. You right. Know. Meet and greets, conventions, those are all great things. And none of these kids are overcharging uh, for their merchandise. They're very reasonably priced. So I mean, yeah, so five or ten dollars, you know, for a picture. If you want to order for it's going to be twenty dollars. Yeah, I mean, and I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a collector. I mean, I've been a, a really, a, for for all intents and purposes, a lifelong wrestling fan. And today, just today, I got in the mail my first autographed eight by ten photograph of a wrestler, and that was because the the Kathy who does our helps with our podcast on Tuesday night. Was oh, at a convention, awesome. and she 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 asked me if I you know if she could get a you know if I had a chance to get an autograph an autograph picture, who would I want? And it came today, and it's an autograph picture of Magnum TA. It's the only autograph awesome. wrestling memorabilia that I have. But it's to me it's you the know, most important because he was my favorite growing up, and he still is to this day. Guys, I have one autograph picture in my possession. It's a, it was part of a package. I have an autograph picture, an autograph T-shirt. And it's the it's the only autograph that I own personally, and that was Superstar Billy Graham's. There you go. I got I got I got a couple of them, and I won't get rid of it because, to me, it's not about money. To me, it's no, about it's sentiment. I mean, Billy Graham yeah. was anybody that that didn't want to for you know follow along with the conventional good guy bad guy approach back in the seventies. Uh, Billy Graham was, was was an idol for sure. I mean, the guy was just phenomenal. Absolutely, he I know was. Be, I know before I done the uh, the Superfly Snickers show, okay, his birthday bash, they had me in the ring with Bill Rathner singing happy birthday and all. A couple of weeks before that, we were in uh, Fox and Hound here in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, okay, in King Prussia. They brought Superfly Snickers in. I was there. I got Superfly Snickers autograph on a coconut. No oh, picture awesome. of him on a <laughs> coconut. That's awesome. That's great. 
And Superfly said, this, you're the first person ever gave me a coconut so I could shine. All right, one one last one, guys, before we before we uh, we end this little party. We talked about the guys in the current crop that should be world champion. Let's talk about the girls. So on the female side, who should be the world champion? You got one person. Who do you got? I got Shayna Shayna Baszler. Okay. I like that. Yeah, I. I can see that. I, I mean, that's that's a, a a very good choice. I wow. If I have one, wow. Well, I don't know that I could maybe narrow it down. Um, I like Shayna Baszler. I do. It's a, it's a prospect, Howard. So it's not somebody that's currently challenging for the title, but a prospect no, yeah, that you're seeing that could legitimately be world champion. I, I honestly, I, I, I think I like Shotzi. I think she's got, uh, you know, potential, you know, to to be a a world champion. Yeah, yeah. Now Steve Logan just messaged me and said that, um, in his opinion, it should be Eo Sky. Yeah, that and was I my. I was going back and forth between them two. I was. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I just think me? that you know they need they need to they need to give you know at least more people on the roster an opportunity, you know, to main event. And if if it looks like the direction it's going with with Seth Rollins in this title, I think we might see a little bit more of that. Um, you know, I, I think LA Knight do with, that has a lot to do with Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is a fighting champion. I mean, you know, you look at the NWA, and I always had an issue with Nick Aldis for not defending a title as often as I thought he should. And, you know, uh, we got into it a little bit on Twitter, and he wound up blocking me because I called him a paper champion because, you know, in five and a half years, I granted, take a year and a half off for COVID. Um, so in three and a half years, he only defended a title 27 times, and he was trying to put himself in the same pantheon as Harley Race and Flair and Lutez and whatnot. And I said, Nick, there's no way. I mean, those guys no defend way. the title 27 times a month. And, you know, he got mad at me and blocked me. Whatever. But, I mean, you know, he was a legit world champ. And Tyrus is a step down. You know, and Logan agrees with me on that one. Tyrus is a de- I mean, yeah, he's, he makes that belt, you know, more widely seen on Fox News. But, I don't know. I mean, the guy doesn't do it for me as world champ. But one no. of the girls I like that see, I think I like to see one Jeff of the girls that I think will be a world champion at some point in the um I think Raquel Perez is gonna be world champ at some point in the future. Some point in the near future. I, I, yeah, I think that, that's that's a very good choice, I think. I, I, I like that a lot. Um but yeah, I, I think they need to get back to you know, the the the, the territory days, you know. And remember in it was one of the one of the Starcade events. It was 84, 80, oh, 85, 86, somewhere around there. It might be off by a year or two. But, I mean, they, that's when the Great American Bash was traveling. It wasn't just one um, one pay-per-view. It was a, a series of, you know, they went from Charlotte to Baltimore to Boston, you know, to Philly to Pittsburgh. They, they tr- literally traveled the circuit up and down the East Coast 
And I think Ric Flair yeah. defended his title like 28 times in like 33 days. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you know, I, I, I get I'm, I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Nick's ability. I'm not taking anything away from Nick's pedigree because he trained at WAW with the Knights. So I mean, he's got the pedigree. But don't, dude, if you're only defending your title 27 times in three and a half years. You're, number one, you're not selling out 100,000 seats like Jim Londis did. Jim Londis might have defended the title 10 times a year, but Jim Londis was selling out, you know, 40, 50, 70,000 people. He did 100,000 in Athens, Greece for a world title defense. And that's back when wrestling cards only had one or, only had one match on the card. It was a world title match. Right. Of course, the thing went an hour and a half, two hours, <laughs> but still. You know, he, yeah. you know, to put himself in that category was was reaching, as far as I'm concerned. I got a good topic for next week. Sure, bud. How about the worst villains of wrestling? Ooh, I like that one. What do you think, Howard? I, I, I like that one. I, I, I think it's it's a viable viable topic. I think, you know, with we have so many villains um so out there that we so can let's talk see, about. Let's let's um let's fine tune it. So let's see. The most the most respected and or disrespected villains in wrestling. Yes. I like that. Yeah. I think I think that could work. I think that could work. Yeah, we could do that for next week. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, and Steve well, likes to point out one more one more guy that that should have a definite world title opportunity is Malachi Black. I mean, the kid's very oh, absolutely. marketable. Absolutely. Yeah, w- w- without a doubt. I, I think he can do it. Well, I, think I, got, he's got I, it. I got one more. I got one more. All right, last one, then we're going to get to the shout-outs. Go ahead, bro. Okay, I'm going to put out Allman Johnson. Ahmed Johnson? Yes. Oh, my. Ahmed for world champion. I never thought wow. of that before. I, I didn't. I didn't. He never got one but, shot at it either. So, yeah, yeah there was a guy that was overlooked. But but before you get to the shout out, it's like Farouk, Ron Simmons. Farouk. He never had he a shot. He was a world champion. Ron Simmons champion. won the NWA title. Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah, but or I Ron Simmons. Ron Simmons. As did as did our truth. Our truth was world right. champion as well. I right, yes, good shout outs. Rat boy, what shout outs you got for tonight, bro? What do you want to pub? Well, I, really nothing, you know, just for uh just uh keeping proud of or the stroke be coming back soon, I hope. I'll make sure go to his page and uh put the prayers up there because we're all still praying for him. And plus, Tuesday night in the room with Brady Hicks at nine yeah. o'clock. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And again, I second that with uh, with all the good vibes and good regards going out to Stro. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he's he's on a you know a long recovery, but he, you know he is recovering, um, and it is going to you know take some time and. Um, you know, get back to where he needs to be, but he, you know, he's on his way, and and every you know every day seems like it gets just a little bit better than it was the day yeah. before. So you know, we're taking baby and steps. We're taking baby and steps. Chad, yeah, I tell you what, 
If you had him on your show, make sure I'm there too, because I, I could dress up like Dorothy for him. There you go. Would get a kick out of it. Everybody you know Dorothy's gonna ask you though. You know he's not a doll, right? Huh? You know Dorothy's not a doll, right? She's a legit. She's a legit being. Oh, okay. No, no, that thing is haunted. I'd be careful okay. around Dorothy, dude. Dorothy yeah, don't play. I know she is scary. Dorothy don't play. One time in Vegas, um. Dorothy Dovon gave me a, a splash off the top rope onto the floor where I was, and I legitimately heard that doll talking to me and oh, freaked me out. So you better be careful around Dorothy, <laughs> rat boy. I know. Just saying. That, that, that would be a match. That would be a match for me, me versus Dorothy. Oh, uh, bro, you may not make it after that one. No, I might be having a eulogy for you. I, I don't want to see uh, that uh, happen. I'm ready, I'm ready to retire. I'm ready. Yeah, boy. Uh, yeah, my shout-out for tonight is again to Stroh, like, like Rat Boys. All the best, brother. Get You know, get well, get healthy. Take it one step at a time. Listen to the doctors, and uh, and we're definitely going to see you again real soon. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're just, Stroh, we're just keeping your chair warm until you get back, brother. And, you know, we do want you back, you know, as soon as you are able. Again, as everybody said, you know, we're praying for you. We love you. We miss you. You know, and, you know, we hope that, you know, you continue on the – the road to recovery, and you can get back here, you know, just as soon as you're able to, brother. Yep, most definitely. So I think that, I think that about wraps it up for tonight, boys. What do you think? Yeah, yeah no, I was going to say, I think that, that about wraps it up. I do appreciate everybody listening in and calling in. I think it was a, a, a great topic, a great discussion, um, you know, and, you know, we'll be right back here again next Thursday night, 9 o'clock, um, talking about wrestling villains. Um yeah, you know, I encourage everybody to, to call in and to uh, and to uh, uh, send messages if you're not able to call in, and you know we'll we'll get your messages out on the onto the broadcast, and uh, let's keep this lively discussion going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, guys. Yeah, make it's, sure you do your homework this week. Yeah, it, it's been a great show. I'm, I'm having a, I'm having a great time doing this. Um, you know, and there's nothing I'd much rather be doing on a Thursday night anyway. So. You know, this is a great time. They've been great topics. The listeners, the callers have been great. I think the topics have been great. And, again, you know, this isn't, you know, a, a one-man show. This is your show, and, you know, we'll talk about any wrestling topic that you want, and, you know, we will you know, we will try to, you know, you know, make the best of it. And, and you know, hopefully we're doing the show, you know, to show standards, and, you know, I hope that he's happy with what we're doing. And, again, show until you come back, brother. We do miss you, and we love you. And, Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Um, everybody have a great night. And, again, you know, we'll talk to you next Thursday night, 9 o'clock. Yep, all the best, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye, everybody. Hey, this is Total Package. Lex Luger, you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kazzy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation.
Yo, this is Jerry Stein of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Frisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hitt, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Phil After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, Tony here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my... Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, well, I want to say one thing. Uh, Bruno was an early champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. Please go after, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiant? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, was that the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out, vocnation.com, WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. 